Welcome to the True Sales Podcast. My name is Adam Cox, and this is a show where I get to speak all things sales with leaders, founders, owners, and directors. I'll be speaking to guests from all over Australia, getting their thoughts on subjects like sales processes, strategies, coping with setbacks, and establishing and maintaining the right mindset. I'm excited to introduce today's guest, who is Sally McKenna, the sales director of an organization called HR Onboard, a company based in Melbourne that offers a mobile-first onboarding engagement app. Having taken the business through growth, Sally gives us her knowledge around strategies she used when she first started, when she felt the time was right to bring on extra headcount, and her thoughts on mindset and how to maintain the right mindset, plus much more. So thanks, first of all, for, uh, for agreeing to come on the uh, True Sales podcast. Um, it's great to have you on. You've got a really interesting background that I know a lot of people are going to get uh, value from. Um, so the, I always do a, a, an introduction um, to uh, the guests before uh, running the podcast. Um, but for the benefit of the um, audience, just give us a bit of an overview and an introduction to yourself and uh, your experience. No problem. So currently I'm working for a company called HR On Board, which is a small software company based in Melbourne. Um, but prior to that, I've got over 25 years I was working out before this podcast, 25 years in sales. Now that's across different um, types of verticals and industries from retail to financial services and banking, e-commerce, accounting software, and now HR software. Yeah. Um, I've been lucky enough to have worked all over the globe, um, the US, the UK, Turkey, and now Australia, obviously originally from the UK. Yeah, um, yeah and that's brought me where I am today. No, fantastic. So, so in terms of because I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, so you've got an interesting background, as I said earlier, in terms of it looks like you sort of started a career, you had a bit of a quite a stint in marketing and then um, went, uh, went sort of obviously led into sales later down the line. Was, hmm. was it a conscious effort to go into sales at that point? Or? Um, no, I don't think um, a lot of people say why sales. <laughs> I don't think um, many people and your listeners too would think, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave school and go and work in sales. <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone thinks that. So, no, look, I started my career in retail management, of all things. Yeah. I'm not sure whether that's even still on my LinkedIn. No, no it wasn't, actually. <laughs> I moved in, no, it's that long ago. <laughs> then I moved into financial services. Um, but it was, a, it was the retail side of financial services, so I still had a connection. Yeah. Um, then in, that involved selling. So back in the day, we were selling um, consumer credit uh, to retail clients, which was a store card, mm. not a credit card. They weren't around yeah. at the time. Um, and I found I was pretty good at that. So I thought, well, I'll move into a role that's uh, more involved in sales. And that's how I kind of got onto the sales bandwagon, I suppose. But I have had a variety of roles over the years. And you're right in pointing that out. But they were intentional moves all mm. the while. Um, I tried to broaden, I guess, my skill set and push myself outside of my comfort yeah. zone. But the roles I did take, they could complement sales because they were more marketing and customer focused roles. So they did complement sales overall. Still. Yeah, of course, especially this day and age. Now, I think it's an understanding of some kind of marketing is crucial. I think in sales and, and I think especially with um, everyone going down the route of uh, building a personal brand and that in, in that regard. So I would imagine your experience in that field is, is, is will have quite a bit in, in terms of the, your current role as well, I take it. Yeah, it definitely does. I think um, when you, particularly when you move into a smaller business, your remit changes. It's not just sales, and you're doing a lot of the lead generation yourself. There's not that big marketing engine that you have in a uh, larger yeah. company. So definitely having an element of a, a marketing background does yeah. help in sales, and um, having a good relationship with marketing 
even if you're not doing it yourself, also is a is a big winner if you can do that as well. Yeah, fantastic. And so, so go, going on to your um, your current role then, so you're, you're sales director for HR on board. So for people that don't uh, are unaware of HR on board, just give us a bit of a, an overview in terms of the business. Uh, so we're a um, cloud HR HR product. So um, where we kick in, I guess, is once a company's made the decision to hire someone, we then kick in and create that offer digitally and everything's in the cloud. So generating the contracts dynamically, policies, creating that employee portal for them to log into to be able to accept all their paperwork online. So no more completing those awful ATO documents yeah. and super details that you have to do. <laughs> um, and that's all around keeping that employee engaged and motivated and wanting to join. But it also extends right through to the first um, anniversary of the company. So it's all around that, I guess, best of both worlds, which would be the compliance side of things for a, an HR department, but also the employee engagement angle as well. Okay, no, fantastic. And, and what would be their typical type of customer? Is it, is it the larger corporates or do you find it's the small to medium-sized organizations? That... Uh, it, it's very, it's yeah. Adam. So it starts from those people that are hiring at least 100 people every year. Okay. That would be on the smallest yeah. side. Right up to we've got people hiring 6,000 wow. people a year. So um, we don't, somebody asked me this a while ago in terms of what's the number one vertical that you have. We don't have a number yeah. one. There's not, there's an equal amount, pretty much distribution of customers across all industry types. So there's not one particular one I can pull out. I guess our sweet spot, if someone was to ask me, would be that business that has between currently 500 and 5,000 employees. Yeah because then we know they warrant an onboarding solution in terms of the hiring. So we know that we can generate a really good positive ROI for them when they're putting our software in. Yeah, okay, no, fantastic. So, so your role then as a sales director, did they have someone in there before you or was that a completely new role for the business? No, brand new, completely yeah. new. So I joined when the company was probably, uh, it would have been in its third year. So I joined at year three. So they kind of done that whole typical startup piece where you have a really good trajectory to start with and you've got inbound leads just hitting you because you're, you're the new kid on the yeah. block. Um, and, bef- and what do you want to do before you get to that point where you plateau? You want to bring in a sales team and a sales leader that can keep that growth going. So that's what they did. They were looking for somebody um, that could do that. Um, so that's why I joined. So it was a brand new role to them. Yeah. How did you find it initially to sort of coming into a business where pretty early on in their, their sort of, um, been, from, from their point of view, being established? So what was, what was your sort of strategy going in there and what, how did you know what to implement and when? Um, so although I hadn't done that in the small company before, I'd done it in larger businesses, Adam. Okay. So the prior company I worked for was new to the market in Australia. Okay. Um, and we didn't have a, a, a really big sales team. We had to go out and find a sales team and build our own strategy and our playbooks and processes and, and a whole team cadence. Um, so I kind of knew what I was doing. Um, but, but prior to even joining, even right through the interview process, I'd already presented a, a three to six month plan for the CEO and the CCO um, in terms of what success would look like for the sales leader. And, and I have a, a pretty, um, I guess, rigid methodology that I've I've used before and I, and I use that methodology again yeah cool so, so just talk me through some of, the, some of that in terms of well, what you what your plan was for that for, for it first three to six months yeah so I, I kind of work for a three-phase approach when I'm going in so the first one is to look at okay where are we so conducting those quick checks around the business um, the second one is where are we going and what's that, what is the path and the third one is how are we going to manage that so the way I break that down that, that first point in terms of you know where are we now that phase one is really around uh, what I call my four checks of organizational health yeah. and that is checking the pipeline checking the players checking the processes 
and checking the external environment, so the competition as well. So that's the first piece I do when I go in, in terms of, you know, what does it all look yeah. like? Then it's on to phase two, which is looking at your strategy. And then phase three is about establishing um, an operating rhythm for the, um, for the sales team. But you can't do that until you've really done that, checking the players and the pipeline piece to understand you know, where are the gaps and what do you need to do and, and what, what pieces you need to do first. Sure. And, and where did they, where, when, you, when you first came into the, uh, to the business then, where was they in terms of pipeline? Was it, was it quite a healthy pipeline initially? Well, like I said, they'd hit that point where the inbound leads were, were still going up but slowing mm. down, so they wanted to change yeah. that. Um, so there was, there was a limited, what I'm going to call sales playbook written up for the, um, on process and cadence and stuff, but it, there was no strict rigor or process really in mm. place. But in terms of the pipeline, there was, um, there was, there, we used Salesforce, which is great because I love a business that uses <laughs> Salesforce, and I've used that for all, I think I counted 19 years wow. ago. So I love it. I'm a, I'm a number one fan. You, you can't believe <laughs> now. I've been on it too long. Um, but there was a, there was there were accounts and opportunities in there. But what we'd, what I'd seen when reviewing the pipeline was that um, the opportunities that were in there weren't necessarily genuine opportunities. They were just you know, leads someone had created and um, made an opportunity out yes. of it. And that's not because they were doing anything wrong. It's because they just didn't know what a sales process was. They didn't know how to take a, a lead for, to an account to an opportunity and what stages you should take that buyer through so um that's where i came in and literally it was from ground zero up to be able to build that and that's what i really like doing is building those processes and rigor and, and getting that um system working properly yeah no fantastic so so in terms of uh what you had to work with what, what did you inherit did you was there, a, was there a, an established sales team in place already <laughs> no there was just me so that was that that was the biggest challenge i had was the fact that um, i was walking into a business where i knew the current salesperson was leaving <laughs> Um, they had two weeks left, so they were, you know, already halfway out the door. When you're a salesperson, you leave, you're, you're already yes. done. Um, so even before I started, I ended up hiring someone to join yes. me. So I, I hired uh, one person beforehand, and we literally joined on day one together. Um, so that, that was what I was left with, was just me and a new person, yes. not knowing much about the product or anything. So it literally was conquer and divide at that point where... Um, I set about my normal process of what, let's check the pipeline and see what's in there. Um, whilst the other person I hired, she got on with um, learning the product and getting up to speed and then training me on the product. Yeah. And then we literally just smashed it together in terms of calling the existing opportunities and whatnot. And really, it was real brass tacks, a busy three months of hands-on um, leadership because it was just the two of us. Um, and that's probably what I enjoyed as well is the fact that it's, it's not just the sales leadership role in terms of managing a team or leading yeah. a team. I do get to get involved in the sales still, which is which is what I really enjoy yeah, as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, how do you find splitting your time between the two? Um, do you find that a challenge, or is it something that just comes naturally to you anyway? No, not really. I don't find it's a particularly a challenge. I don't have a, I guess, a set um, rule in terms of I spend this much time or that much time on something. Um, it's more, and I have my I have my own pipeline, yeah. and I've got opportunities in there that I'm working on. Um, and then I, I sit amongst the team yeah. it's, and I involve the team in my opportunities as well and, and vice versa. So it's a constant learning process. So I don't feel like I need to say it's one day a week, five days a week, four days a week or anything like that. It just kind of naturally happens. If you've got good process and cadence in yeah. place, it, it shouldn't be difficult to, to manage that in terms of um, having a pipeline of your own and being a sales leader. And my pipeline is a lot smaller, Adam. It's not what they yeah. have. Um, that that's the whole bit. but I like to do the sales because I think you need to stay in touch with just the latest trends in selling as well and what, and what the customers are saying and what do your buyers look yeah. like 
to do that from a, a helicopter view in sales as a leader is it can be difficult. So I like getting involved in the grassroots and actually um, being out there on the road with the team as well. Oh, fantastic. And, and, and what, what is the process in terms of sales that you, you're currently following at the moment? You mentioned inbound leads. So they must have some kind of uh, marketing function or, or be quite sort of established in, in that sense. Um, so, we do. So, what, what's, yes, we so, do. so what's your process there? So currently, so we do have a, obviously Salesforce um, that we use a CRM. Um, we so that we'll use that for everything in terms of managing leads, accounts, opportunities, all of our activities and tasks. Everything you know, we live and die by Salesforce yeah. basically and our number. Yeah. But we do have a marketing engine. We have a, a rock star marketing team that generate a really good level of inbound MQL, so marketing qualified yeah. leads, um, and they get passed to the team to then work on obviously convert them into sales qualified leads, opportunities, and close one. So that's the kind of process that we have, in, and the team are very good at qualifying. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of do everything. We're not, we don't have the luxury of having a, um, an SDR team, you know, generating meetings and a pre-sales team doing the technical bit and then a BDM closing. The BDM here does everything, which is, which is what they enjoy because they get involved in the entire process. Yeah, I find that. And I, I've actually hired uh, people into the SDR uh, role. And it proves quite difficult because a true salesperson likes to get involved from start to finish um, to see once yes. they've started and generated the lead, it's the chase that they, that, that excites them. And then obviously the, the closing at the end of it is obviously the, the, the big sort of excitement of the role. So, um, so it's yeah. always difficult, but in terms of the, the, the marketing leads that you mentioned there, what, um, so what, what are they doing in terms of marketing? What, what's their sort of approach? Is it, is it through blogging? Is it through um, sort of employee engagement and shouting about that on, on, uh, the, the likes of LinkedIn, social media? It's a, it's a real yeah. mix. Um, so the majority of our traffic will come from organic traffic in the website. Um, and that's normally derived from coming from things like LinkedIn, like you yeah. say. Um, so because we're, we're, it's not rocket science for us, we're, we're selling to you know HR people and HR professionals. Yeah. Um, they spend a lot of time on LinkedIn <laughs> for obvious reasons. We're looking for talent of their yeah. own. So that's where the majority of our, our inbound leads come from. But then we also run our own um, roadshows every quarter as well across the country. We attend different conferences, you know, RE and, and HR Tech Fest and all, all these different things. So um, it's not one particular channel in, in these days. I mean, years ago, 20 years ago, you could guarantee it would be one channel. Mm -hmm. It's multifaceted and multi-channel these days. So, um, but majority is, is on LinkedIn, as you say. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So, um, so in terms of the your role then, when you first started in that initial three months of um, all hands to pump, what what were your initial challenges <laughs> when you when you when you started there, and how did you overcome them? Uh, I think the initial challenge was the fact that um, you know. You always think you're, you're told that you're walking into a pipeline of X million dollars, and when you get to the reality of it, it's not actually there. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a challenge. It's just, okay, well, going back to the exec team and saying, well, actually, here's what your real pipeline is, yeah. and and but here's what we can do to to bump it back up to where it needs to be. So always going obviously back with a solution. So I guess you overcome that with looking at how are you going to reach that target and how you're going to get there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, was obviously learning the product as well. But um, I, you know, I, I hired a, a really good person that was able to really get to grasp with that straight away literally you know in a few days to be able to, to pick that up so that we could both go out there and sell it so um, I guess my challenge was um, a threefold yet yeah, no team only one person um, yeah. <laughs> not knowing the product and not really having a pipeline there that I thought would be there yeah. so um, but you just yeah you, if you've got enough um, I guess experience in the in the role as well there you know it's it's not difficult to overcome those things they're not you know it's not it's not um, 
brain surgery that we're conducting here. It's you know selling software. Yeah, no, definitely. So, and in terms of the the team now, has that has that grown since you started? Yes, I've um, built a team. I now have four business development managers plus myself. Wow, so there's okay. four, uh, five, five including me. Yeah, now. brilliant. So from, from nothing to that, yes. Fantastic. And and um, so so at what stages did you realise that you needed to bring on another person? Was it set out as sort of revenue goals that you needed to achieve beforehand? Yeah, and I think it was linked to revenue, Adam, but it was also linked to that inbound lead generation as well, as well as the outbound that we do ourselves. Yeah. So um, hiring a really good marketing person that we managed to get from a, a different um, software company as well, and, and she came with great experience. So the minute we saw that, you know, that the inbound lead generation ramping up, which is getting too much for one person, then you know, and we don't want to miss out on an opportunity and a lead that's coming in. So that drove the hiring in terms of that volume of leads coming yeah. in. Um, but also that revenue target as well. So it was twofold in that respect. Yeah, okay, fantastic. In terms of the, the sales leadership then, um, so obviously you, you've gone from one person to four people and I'll take it that's going to make obviously swing it the other way in terms of, um, like you've already mentioned, your pipeline being smaller than theirs. But yeah. what rise? what do you feel makes a, a good sales leader um, uh, and what makes you sort of within that? Oh, well, for me, um, I guess... Uh, First thing for me would be just feedback, feedback, feedback. Mm. Um, I, I think it's really critical that leaders ask for feedback and constantly get feedback because, A, it helps yeah. you grow, um, but then you're also doing the right thing in terms of the, by the team, in terms of developing the team and also growing that team yeah. as well. So constantly listening and getting feedback, um, trying to inspire them to be, I guess, the best versions of themselves that they can yeah. be. Um, other things would be being that voice for the team as well and representing them um, across the wider business um, the, the ongoing coaching and mentoring comes into mind in terms of it's not just about having the regular one-to-ones it's day-to-day coaching and mentoring it shouldn't just be set for that once yeah. a month um, transparency is important to be complete transparency we don't hide anything in the sales team we have a very transparent and open um, sales force that everyone can see everything um, and the thing I've, I guess I've always um, stuck to over the years and people may not agree with this but one thing I've always done is don't ask someone to do anything that you're not prepared to do yourself um, so my team or yeah my, my team all have individual sales targets which but then I have one yeah. too and we have a team target so and that comes back to that well I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done before I couldn't do myself so and I, I do believe that um, is important in sales leadership no fantastic well. and, and go back to the feedback um, so you must have mm. sort of trust within the team for them to be able to be completely honest with you because what I found working yeah. for people in the past is that sometimes if you've got a leader in place that isn't able to take on the criticism you kind of <laughs> it has the adverse effect on when you're actually being honest with the how they're how they're sort of uh, performing and, and leading the team how, how have you managed to do that um, I guess that while the hiring comes into it to a certain play as well in terms of the type of people you're hiring, and you're right, it is hard to it's hard to find people as well that are willing to open up and give you direct yeah. feedback. But I guess just creating that real um, I, it, it, we're all open plan. There are no offices, so it's one yeah. room, and we all sit together. So having that, and for them to see that you do have their back and that you do back them and take their ideas forward to the leadership team. Um, creating that real open and honest environment. But it, it's not just me that does that. It, it doesn't just come from me. That comes from the, um, the CEO, the chief commercial officer, and every single one of the leaders in the business has that same um, value, I guess. Um, and that creates a culture and environment of everybody gives feedback. So we have a, a value that and I hope it's okay to swear on your podcast, but which is, you know, it's no, buzz, no buzzwords or bullshit. Yeah, and yeah, that's what no, we live, completely agree. That we live by. 
And that's the CEO that set those values up as well in terms of we absolutely um, live by that, that everyone has a yeah. voice. Everyone can challenge every decision that we make in the company. It um, doesn't mean we're going to do everything that you ask us to do, or, you know, but we will listen to everybody that has an idea or has feedback. So that's not just me. That's the whole sales leadership team, the whole leadership team yeah. rather, that have that approach as well, which then creates that environment to give feedback and it and it has to be two way it's not just you know that it's not just them giving me feedback i also give them feedback but they ask for sure. it as well which is nice so that's no, yeah. fantastic and obviously being a, a um sort of culture now is, is such a a big part of the reason for people to want to join a company and, and sometimes it's a reason for them leaving a particular business so how have you managed to obviously hire the right people to the organization but still manage to keep that sort of culture yeah, well, I've been very careful with the hiring of the team. So each time um, that I've hired, I've actually involved the rest of the team in that interview process. Yeah. So they, I thought I, I might do an interview, but they get to do an interview as well. And actually to make sure that the personalities don't clash and that that new person actually will add a different skill and complement everyone else. So we're always looking for something that's a little bit different. Yeah. But on top of that, in top of that, just that approach I have in, in the sales team, what we do as a, as a wider business is that um, if you think you're the right person for the role, we bring you in for a few hours into the office. And that's the reason for, two, we call it a trial yeah. day. Um, there's a couple of things we do. Uh, one of the things we'll do is um, give you a bit of a challenge. So in this respect in sales, it might be learn the, learn the demo in an hour and a half and then present back to us and pitch to us if we were a prospect. Yeah. Um, but what it's also doing for the candidate is for them to go, is this the right place for me? Can I see myself sat at that desk? Do I, does it feel right working with the team? Do they have the right values and the culture that I want to work yeah. with? Um, so we, we make sure that we do bring them in for half a day to make sure that we, but both parties make the right decision. No, fantastic. So how, how do you find um, the targeting of uh, HR? Um, because I've, I've worked with a number of businesses who have sold their, their um, either customer experience or it's been uh, employee engagement uh, software uh, and they find it the, the approach to HR a lot slower than it would if you were selling to, to an enterprise client of uh, say a, a C-suite or uh, sales director for instance but how, how do you guys find that and what, what's, what do you find the approach that works for you? Um, well you're not wrong if you think about it in a company it's the only non-revenue generating department in the company is yeah. HR Every other department typically is generating revenue. So it's the hardest department for a company in terms of the hardest department to yeah. work in because everything you're asking for is a cost. Um, and, you're not, and you can't put a number back in terms of that ROI, I guess. So it's very difficult for HR directors and, and HR people to be able to um, really build a good tech stack in their department because it's just, it's almost impossible for them. Um, so we, so we, we're always mindful of that. So everything what we do in the sales process is to help that HR person in terms of be able to go and put a business case together to the CFO to ask for the funding, whatever yeah. it might be. So we are very aware um, of their role. And we've got people in the team that have worked in HR departments before as well. So that helps us understand and get a real empathy for that yeah. person. So, that, that, so that's really important. But in terms of where we start, it pretty much comes down to the whole social selling thing, which is, I know is a real buzzword around today, but um, putting ourselves where the buyer is as opposed to going out and cold calling and doing all those old school mm -hmm. things. Um, so making sure that when they're doing their research for the right, on, right tool, that we're there and it, we're front of mind and we're across those social channels with them. So it starts with a very social engagement, whether it's a coffee catcher or a chat, and it's very informal and just helping that HR person get what they yeah. need. Um, so whilst we're obviously selling, we're also helping and contributing to them in terms of this is how I'd, we'd go about it. And if it, is it an IT person who's got the budget? 
Is it the finance person? Who is it? We'll help you put together the pitch, presentation, the business case. So we, so we do a lot in that process to help the HR department. Yeah, of course. And, and I, I take it, do you, do you sell the, the, the platform based on, the, in essence, saving them time uh, in terms of their role and freeing up the time to do other activities with the business? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, to, it's to free up their time. It's to so they can get back to focusing on what they should be doing and not chasing. So it's to get rid of that chasing for people for completing their tax forms. Um, but it's also a compliance angle as well to make sure that you've got the right tax details are on the right hourly rate, got the right award associated with that. So it's, it's relieving that headache from a compliance angle for the, for the finance department as well. So we can very easily pull out the benefit for each, de- each department of the company, whether it's IT, finance, HR. So that's a much easier sell then for the salesperson, particularly if that HR person's got to go to the CFO, because we'll pull out the reasons why um, that CFO should should purchase as well. Sure. And, and are you getting them? Do you take an approach where you get everyone in the same room all together, or is it a case of selling into each each different department at different times? Oh, it, it all depends on the business, to be honest. I mean, the mm. best case scenario is you want all the stakeholders and all the decision makers around the table at first go, so you can wow them. I mean, that'd be the perfect world. Um, that doesn't always happen. Trying to align people's calendars <laughs> these days yeah. is difficult. Um, so you know, sometimes it's just a, a project manager that's been appointed to you know go and find three types of software that we can look at that, to, to solve this yeah. problem. Um, and then that, that's hard sometimes because you can't get past the project manager and they're the gatekeeper and you don't you can't get any further. But it's about having respect for that project manager as well and try not to go over their head. But I've been at sales conferences and different things where salespeople have talked about well. I'll just find their manager on LinkedIn and I'll go to them instead rather than talking to that project manager. I, I don't think that shows personal integrity necessarily. Sure. And I think values are important when you're selling. Um, so I think it's, yeah, you've got to be careful. But we'll lean towards whatever the, the business is doing. But now we'll, we'll gently push, obviously, and persuade where we can. Do you think this person would benefit from a demo? Do you think this person should join the next meeting? We'll always try and encourage that person to bring more people yeah. along. Um, but it, it does vary from company to company, and it's just showing that respect for the person that you're communicating with as well. Yeah, no, that's, I completely agree with you. You mentioned earlier that sort of, you thought um, sort of you mentioned cold calling. Uh, what, what's your sort of <laughs> thoughts on that? And I know obviously it's better to get inbound leads coming through because obviously they they're, they're kind of interested already. But what, what's your initial thoughts on cold calling? And is it is there still um, a time for it? Do you think? I not, don't necessarily think that there's a, such a thing as cold calling anymore in, in its pure sense that it was 20 odd years yeah. ago. And the reason being is that, well, buyers these days are researching themselves already and they've probably already come across you or bumped into it at a conference, seen your name somewhere or the brand name yeah. somewhere. So if you are if you are making a you know a phone call to try and reach someone, um, I, I've, I've never come across, it's not, never been pure cold call, not in the last 10 years that I've seen anyway. So I think it's always a, I mean, the warmer the better. Yeah. You know, you know, tepid calling isn't the best. That's a little bit, a little bit above cold. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, there's still a place for it. I, still, I think there's still a place for picking up the phone and chatting to someone and building that relationship and not being salesy. Yeah. Um, but, again, it, it comes down to if you get an inkling for that person not wanting to do business over the phone, then you choose the channel that they want to communicate through. And it's no different to, um, you know, ask, you asking, you know, what's the best method of contacting you is it text or is it email it's the same applies in the sales um, approach I mean it's you ask what's the best method of communication if they don't want to talk on the phone then talk another way yeah I completely agree and you, you made some really good points there and I think it's a case of having 
not just restricting yourself to one avenue is actually broadening broadening that out. And you are right in terms of this with the amount of resource we have now, especially with the likes of LinkedIn, um, and, and you can use other social media sites as well. Um, there's no reason mm. why you can't have a reason for calling that particular person or, or know something or pick up uh, an article that they've shared or uh, to actually use that as a way of instigating a conversation, basically. So I agree. Exactly. Um, so sort of cold calling as, as it used to be with going through the yellow pages and calling the company and just going from scratch, <laughs> I think, away. Yeah. <laughs> I remember doing that yeah. years ago. <laughs> no, so I, I've done it a few times when I, when I initially first got into recruitment uh, many years ago. Um, and yeah. they'd just be, uh, and those were the days where we had candidate cards and no um, no CRMs. So <laughs> that's how long yeah. ago that was. Old school. <laughs> so, yeah. so obviously be, being in the position that you're in at the moment um, and, and obviously getting to the level where you are, sort of mindset, well, obviously is going to play a big part of that. And, and I think it's a subject at the moment across pretty much most people in sales um, and a lot of other industries. So what, what do you mm. do for, from your point of view to maintain that right mindset? Because I'd imagine when you first got into the, that role and in the first three to six months where it was all hands to pump, it, it, not many people can, can obviously uh, do that and, and maintain that positive outlook, knowing that you've got your backs against the wall. So what do you do to maintain that mm. right mindset? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good point you raise because you, you can get sucked into the whole, you know, you know, working 12, 14 hours a day, which I've done, a, don't get me wrong, I've done that in the past with, in the corporate mm. world, um, you know, and, and thinking more hours will, will get you what you want. But there is a, a need to switch off and, and focus on yeah. you. Um, so for me, I think it's, it's, it's small things. There's nothing radical that I do at all here. It's nothing going to wow anybody. But um, exercise is obviously a, a key thing in terms of not only keeping your body fit, but keeping your mind fit as well. And it's the smallest things. I, I get off the train five kilometers away from home and walk the rest of the way home. But when I walk home, I don't have any headphones on. I'm not looking at my phone. That's locked away. Yeah. I'm a real believer in switching off from technology and appreciating your surroundings and, and spending time with your family and friends. And that, that goes the same for when you're with those family and friends. You know, looking at your phone whilst you're in a social situation, for me, that just says that you don't consider that it's important to be with me or talk to me. So I'm a great believer in turn that phone off. Um, if you know, a message comes in the email in after five o'clock, you can leave it for the next day. We're not selling heart surgery. We're not doing heart surgery here. It's software. Yeah. So there is that teaching yourself to just switch off and, and do the best you can in the hours that you have and then switch off and just appreciate the more important things in life. But I also just recently, though, have discovered um, painting. And, I, and I'm not a painter okay. by any stretch of the imagination. But I was looking for something different to do to relax this year and to improve that mindset. Um, and you can do meditation. I know you do a little bit of meditation yeah. and you can do yoga, yeah. but painting is on par with meditation and yoga in terms of that relaxation and just not looking at a um, digital screen. So a mobile phone or a laptop or anything like that. Um, you're completely focused on the moment and you're forgetting everything else that you're doing and same as meditation. So I've discovered painting and I absolutely love it. It's um, I've not picked up a paintbrush since year three. <laughs> that was a very, very long time ago for me. Oh, um but I, yeah, it's just, and then there's other things, Adam, I'll do. So I'm, I've just got myself into um, um, this book, which is, um, and, and I'll give you the name of it. It's called Mindset, Changing the Way You Think to, to Fulfill Your Potential. Yeah. It's by a lady called Dr. Carol Estweck. 
And I can really recommend that in terms of if you want to move away from that whole fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Now, I can't take credit for all this. So um, I have an outside coach that I go and see every two weeks okay. um, to help to help me and a personal coach that helps me with that whole mindset in terms of um, how can you really fulfill your potential and having that growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. So, I, you know, so I've got a combination of I do the painting. I like to go for a walk. I switch off from tech and I get outside support as well in terms of that that coach I have every two weeks. So it's a real mix of things yeah. that works for me now that, that won't work for everyone but that's that's my thing to um not i don't worry about the day job i i do my job i do it well um and then i can enjoy you know my time. quality time and yeah my time as well my family. that's brilliant and i've got a couple of questions for you so so the painting so what are you painting what, what's yeah. the what's your uh, <laughs> what's your um oh my genre? <laughs> All right. Well, I don't see the thing is I didn't have a genre either so, or any or any kind of type of watercolor or oil painting. So I signed up for a beginning of this year, a full day intensive oil painting class okay. um, in Fitzroy here in Melbourne. And um, I ju- and I, I didn't think I'd be any good at it. I just kind of went, oh, this will be fun. I'll give it a go. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. So I've, I've discovered oil painting and um, yeah, absolutely love it. It's just um, it, it's fascinating to learn something completely different. Yeah. It's not numbers. It's not sales. It's about really focusing your mind on the colors and how you blend them and everything else. So it's, uh, yeah, so I'm still discovering my, my genre, so to speak, and discovering what I'm going to end up liking the most. So I'm just trying all sorts of different types of painting at the moment through a, just a class I do every week. Oh, that's it's, brilliant. It's a week class. Yeah, yeah it's well, good fun. And you meet different people. Yeah, that's it. Right. And I don't meet salespeople there, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So I, I, I did, uh, I, I used to love uh, art at school and uh, I was I was never great at it. I took it as a GCSE and then I actually went on to, to do A-levels uh, in it. And, and um, I didn't actually finish the, the course, unfortunately, because it turned out that the, the people that were in the class were actually a lot better than I was. And I just realized that my, uh, my, uh, my impersonation of art is completely different to everyone else's. So, uh, well, that's but, the beauty of art though. It's subjective. That's the whole point. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> my, yeah, it was terrible. You, you mentioned it. You mentioned going back to sort of year three. That was pretty much my yeah. art. And, and I, I actually got a C in GCSE. So I wasn't that great anyway. I just, I just loved doing it. <laughs> so I might have to just have to take it up as a hobby, I think. Um, yes. so, so obviously the mindset and the, to actually get, yeah. get a coach uh, from, from your mm. point of view, um, mm. you've obviously taken that quite serious. But what, what made you do yeah. that? And um, at what point did you think that was a sort of a good idea? Um, I just think, it, well, you get to a certain point where you still, every day should be a learning day, right? You want to continue to grow. I didn't want to think, well, I've had 25 years in sales and I didn't want to change career and think what next because I, I like what I do. Mm-hmm. So I want to get better at what I do and learn different ways. And and it's a bit like, um, well, it's almost like reverse coaching that's quite popular at the moment in terms of there's a whole younger generation of people coming through that use a complete different tools to what I do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't grow. So, you know, they've got people in their 20s that are 20 years younger than me that have brought up a different way. And I really want to understand um, their mindset and how they operate and what I need to do to change as a leader yeah. to be able to be more inclusive of having people all sorts of ages and, and diversity in my team. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless you open yourself up to that in terms of now, I, I've said to you, like, I don't agree with having technology on all the time, but that doesn't mean to say that um, it's not right for someone else. That's just not right for me. And it's not what I grew up with. But there are obviously is a, you know, a group of um, young people that they, they did grow up with that. And that's just part of their everyday life. Mm-hmm. So me to understand why it is part of their everyday life and what motivates them yeah. is really important so that's what led me to do the coaching if I want to grow as a leader yeah. um, then I think it's important to open your mind up to 
different people and different possibilities and different learning you never know I, I might one day I don't have an Instagram account but maybe one day I might do who knows I don't know <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah well I, I don't have one now <laughs> yeah that's right well, I, I try to to stay clear of um, the likes of Facebook and, and Instagram and, and, and to be honest I only tend to use them for work purposes um, but for me I, I find it just drains the day and you, you kind of find yourself sort of scrolling um, for, for no particular reason just to be nosy uh, so yeah. I kind of I've deleted them <laughs> off my phone and, and I've been off there for a good, good few months yeah now. good on you yeah so just yeah. Um, my my addiction is LinkedIn at the moment <laughs> that's it and it's all work-based so uh, and that's what I think my, my problem is actually switching off from work because even though yeah. you're not actually actively working in terms of the desk um, I'm always sort of in contact or reaching out on, on LinkedIn and that's sort of my problem in terms of uh, trying to switch off from social media yeah. yeah. Well, I've got um, one of the members of my team and, and she gave me a really good tip a while ago. And that was that uh, every Monday, her and her husband have done this ever since they've been together, before they've been married and dating. Every Monday, they have a complete technology free evening. So there's no TV, no, no technology at all, no phones. They talk or play a game or read a book or whatever it might be. I love um, it. And, and just every one, it's only one day a week, but it just grounds them. So it's perfect. Um, and that's what, who I got it from in terms of like, trying to do that whole switching off and not having any technology, yeah. when, particularly when I'm walking home or, at, or, or, to, or with friends. And um, so, yeah, it was one of my team that recommended I do that. So I think that's yeah, brilliant. I'm, I'm going to actually, yeah. uh, going to actually suggest that. I don't know if it's going to go down well, yeah. but I'll, I'll certainly suggest it. Give it a go. See what <laughs> <Yeah>. happens. <laughs> so, so what made you choose the, uh, the coach that you, that you did in the end? Um, was it, was it someone that you knew already or? No, 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 not at all. I went to a networking lunch in the city one day, uh, at a company I know. And, um, they had a couple of speakers there from um, a company called, called Inspire Tribe. And okay. the two ladies that were running that were doing a presentation on uh, mindset growth and how we can change and how we only tap into certain part of our brains and, and different things. Yeah. Um, and it just clicked with me. I thought that sounds really interesting on what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and, that, and actually, my husband signed up for it before I did. Um, oh. And then I, he did it for about six months before me. And I could just, the benefit he got off, I thought, I need to, I need to get onto this. Yeah. Um, so I didn't sign up straight away when I first saw luncheon, but I, I did after that. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it's great. Just, yeah, just open it. And it can be a little bit confronting sometimes in terms of when someone throws something at you or an idea or suggestion like, no, can't do that. Yeah. Um, but it's all about that changing your mindset. So it's, um, yeah, so it wasn't through anybody I knew. It was just through a networking event I went to. Yeah, I'm all for that. I, I, I mentioned on another podcast, if you would have said to me a year ago that I'd be putting um, videos on LinkedIn and running a podcast, <laughs> that, that I would have actually laughed you out of the room. There was, there was no yeah. way that I would even imagine me doing it. I, I wanted to mm. do it, but it just wasn't in me to just go, right, yeah. let's do it and, and just go with it. Yeah. Um, and if I'm completely honest with you, do it. Do, putting my, I, I thrive on situations where I'm out of my comfort zone. Um, and I, th I find uh, with the podcast, I, I'm, I'm actually enjoying it a lot more than I actually initially thought I would. Um, what hmm. I'm getting out of it is not what I actually, what my intentions were. So my, my whole point was to actually give some value back to the sales network that I've built up and for them to mm. get sort of nuggets from you guys uh, in terms of um, how you, so your, your kind of mindset, your, your approach to sales, that type of thing. But I'm actually learning quite a bit myself <laughs> and, yeah. and putting yourself That's out right. there. Sometimes you're actually gaining other things that you probably never yeah. expected you did do in the first place. 
Exactly. No, that's great you're doing that. And that's obviously one of the reasons I agreed to do this was because you're doing something a little bit different than anybody else is. And it just stands out. And you've got that, that gives you that USB and that, oh, that's interesting. That's a different way of approaching your industry, certainly. So, um, yeah, that's why I agreed to. And I don't always take phone calls or or do a lot of stuff because I get hit so many times a day with salespeople. Yeah, no, I I really appreciate it. It's been fantastic. So just the last couple of questions then, in terms of your sort of career, where would you say the sort of high points were uh, and what were your sort of low points and how have you managed to overcome those low points? Um, I think the highs and lows for me come from a similar vein. Um, And it all comes around working with great people. So I've had the good fortune of working with some amazing people, amazing leaders over the years who have coached me and mentored me. Um, So the highs come from working with those people and those people that recognize your worth and value and help you climb that career ladder. So those have been my highs in terms of, you know, getting that next job or getting that promotion. Um, But at the same time, I think I've seen terrible leadership. The ones, you know, who micromanage you, that um, they use you to get where they want. They create a toxic environment. Um, And those environments are tough. And and the way I've overcome those low points and you have no self-worth because they're not the everything out of you Mm. is just to say to yourself, well, what can I do to remove myself from that situation? I know I'm good at what I do. And there's got to be leaders out there that want me and appreciate me. Um, So having that, confidence in yourself to just go I need to walk away because it is difficult to change people and and quite often you can get stuck in roles and I've done this where you think I can change that leadership I can change and make you know and make this better but ultimately it becomes a you know an uphill struggle and it makes you well you lose confidence and it um, gets you down so so my highs and lows have been around I could name all the different companies where they've had great leaders and stuff but it comes around the the people as opposed to the the role or the company itself that's been my highs and lows yeah i completely agree yeah. and, it, and it's probably the, the leading reason why people move on is due to poor management um and if i'm completely honest with you that the reason for me setting up on my own was um, because i was i'd been in companies where it had that toxic uh, environment um and it got to the point where my wife couldn't take it anymore so <laughs> i yeah. kind of said look i need to get away from it and uh, well that's it it yeah. just soaks up your life doesn't it because you, you, it you kind of moan it you go and you, you you're hating what you do during the day and then you're moaning about it on the evening and you just don't exactly <laughs> exactly and it's it's no good it's no good for your, your your health or your um that positive mindset all those things it's um yeah it just consumes you and that my best advice is to walk away from those yeah. situations if you can do and that's not always possible you know in financially some people can't do that yeah. but it's um if you've got confidence in what you do and you know you're good at your job because there's a reason why they hired you mm-hmm. um you know then looking for that next opportunity where you will be appreciated yeah completely agree so so my, my final question is, is a question that i sort of end on with uh, with all my guests is uh, if you have to just to give one piece of advice to um, someone who's looking to start in sales or if it was a graduate looking to sort of establish themselves in sales what would you tell them what sort of advice would you give them to start with um if i had to sum it up in one piece it would be coming back to what we do here with our hiring of salespeople, which is um if you're going for an interview or you're thinking about getting sales ask if you can spend a few hours in that company that you're looking at Get a good feel of their values and culture. Um, see, can you see yourself sat at that desk amongst all the people? If you can do that before you accept a sales role, um, then that's the right. Then that, that would be my advice. And if it doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel like the type of people you want to be around, then walk away if it doesn't feel right. That would be my single piece of advice that I learned over the years: is 
it is because you spend a lot of time at work yeah. and it can be any kind of sales role. My second point would probably be, if I could sneak in another one, yeah. would be to look at what you're selling. Yeah. Does it add value to the consumer? Um, do, do you think you're going to enjoy selling it? Can you see the value of the product? Don't just join the big company with the big names because it sounds really cool and you think it'd be great on your resume. Have a look at those products out there that really do add value um, to the consumer and, and to the world um, and, and that other piece around. Spend, spend some time with them before you make that decision. Don't just base it off an hour interview because that's not long enough. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Two, two really good points. And to be honest with you, I think that the point about spending three hours with a company, I think is, is absolutely um, mind-blowing because so many companies take on, they, they go through the interview stage um, and a lot of the time they don't even get to see who else is employed in, in the business or what the culture's about. And, and especially when people are, are hiring on culture, um, I always tell my candidates, it's as, from, as much for them to actually um, feel the company's right uh, for them personally as it is whether they're right for the business. Um, and mm. so they need to make that clear judgment. And, and that is a perfect example of, of how they can do that. Um, exactly. So I, I, if I'm honest with you, I'll probably take that away myself and uh, see whether it's <laughs> something I can sort of introduce as part of my process for people to make a better judgment. You're welcome. I'll give you that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> no, appreciate one. it. So, so, yeah, so in terms of um, anyone wanting to reach out to you, Sally, uh, moving forward, where's the best sort of place for them to, uh, to get in contact with you? Oh, listen, they, they can go to my LinkedIn profile. My, my email address is on my LinkedIn yeah. as well, so they can reach me via my LinkedIn and my um, email. Um, because I do, like you, spend a lot of time on LinkedIn because that's where my, my prospects and my customers are. Yeah. Um, you will find that I will respond to people on LinkedIn. But um, my advice on LinkedIn is don't just send me a connect request. Yeah. Put a note on it Yeah. because <laughs> okay. then I'll respond to you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good points. Good points. And no, that's brilliant. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, people are aware of that and I'll post that on the uh, when we're sharing the, uh, the podcast. But I really appreciate you taking the time out today to uh, to speak to us and uh, it's been a pleasure uh, and i've really i me personally i've got a lot from it as well no you're welcome thanks for inviting me thanks for reaching out in the first place um it's um yeah it's nice to see a recruiter doing something differently out there and has actually got the the candidate yeah. at heart in terms of um making sure that uh, they get the best um information that they can do out there from different sales leaders no i appreciate it. thanks sally and all the best with business no problem. it sounds like it's going in the right direction and i'm sure yes. it'll carry on thank you very much Brilliant. i will do thanks adam thanks sally Cheers. you take care thanks bye. you too bye-bye